Hello and welcome to Future SciChat. Every week on Future Chat, we sit down to talk about science and technology, with the discussion centered on a new and exciting topic in one of those two fields. My name is Robert Trell, and I'm joined, as usual, by my cousin Mike. We're just a couple of science enthusiasts who love to learn and talk about the latest and greatest science and tech developments. I hope you're excited to join us today while we talk about nutrition. We're very fortunate to be joined today by Nicholas Maddox, a man whose great nutritional choices mean he's a strapping, beautiful barrel of a man. Also here today is a very special guest, Anna Ahn, who's a real and amazing food scientist. Just a few of the topics you hope to cover this week are, what effects do processed food have on your body, how dieting won't help you, but a healthy diet will, and whether organic food is really worth the price. Join us as we jump headlong into the future of science. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part of doing the theme song is watching you guys dance, and it's also my least favorite part because it's so distracting. <laughs> Anna just caught right on there. I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah. Just jumped right into that. it. There's <laughs> something. So, as I mentioned, we are talking today about nutrition. And we have a real live food scientist with us, Anna On. How are you doing, Anna? Well, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Excited about this tech chat, future chat. Sci chat. This one is science. Sci chat. <laughs> That's that's how enthusiastic Anna was. She was like, I don't even care what it is. I'm in. I, yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> this is easily our most planned in advance one because we decided to do this a month ago. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most because I really like... I mean, there's a lot of chemistry involved in food, but I really like uh, food science in general just because there's tons of there's tons of interesting science that goes into it. And so I wanted to start today... Uh, by talking about uh, foods that people eat and enjoy that they know are bad for them, a.k.a. guilty pleasures, indulgences, whatever you want to call it, and uh, go through each of us and talk about our least healthy indulgences and then foods that we eat that are still good but maybe aren't, like, our, that we know are healthier for us. So... Uh, can anyone think of anything? Does anyone want to start, or can I put someone on the spot? <laughs> I, I'm I a little unclear as to what you're asking. So, like, there's, <laughs> there's our actual guilty pleasure, which is terrible yeah. for us. So two, yeah, uh, two. And then what's two, the other two. one? Things that are that taste really good, or that we really enjoy eating, but that we know are actually healthy. Oh, okay. All right. Are or aren't? Are. Okay. So two separate things. Do you want me to? St I can start it out. So, so a non-guilty pleasure and a guilty pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, why don't you start? Okay. So my probably least healthy love is breakfast cereal. Like unhealthy breakfast cereal, like Fruit Loops and Reese's Puffs and like there's millions. Even That's your life. worst? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's there's so much wow. in cereals though. Okay. Yeah. Rob has changed <laughs> No, okay, honestly, just the fact that cereal itself, like the milk is somewhat good for you, or at least you can make an argument that it's good for you, but cereal really, those cereals have no redeeming qualities. They're just sugar and basically cardboard. So, um, like, stuff like pizza, at least, if you have vegetables on it, at least it's got some redeeming qualities. Maybe not a meat pizza, but... So why don't, we'll, we'll start with uh, Guilty Pleasures and then we'll switch over to healthy ones. So, Mike, why don't you go next since you put me on the spot? Okay. Um, I guess for mine, mine are, mine's more of an impulse uh, indulgence when if I go stop for coffee somewhere, then I yeah, have, like, you know, those pastries, like the muffins and donuts and stuff out. And, like, I go in there and, I, like, I think to myself, I'm like, okay, hey, I'm not going to buy a donut today. I'm, I'm not. And then I get to the counter, I'm like, and I'll take one of those. And it's like, damn it. <laughs> so, that's, that'd be mine. And... Yeah, those are horrible. Nice. <laughs> I mean, you can get a muffin and think you're being healthier, but yeah. really, muffins are worse. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Anna? Yeah. Do you have one? Wait, was Anna? that me or Anna? My connection uh, is really bad. I keep not hearing you guys. 
Wh- what's bad? My connection. Oh. Cause, okay, well, Anna, can you hear us now? Yes. Okay, go but ahead. I didn't what's... hear who you asked. Okay. Are you asked... asking me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. we are asking you. I'm going now. Okay, my guilty pleasure... Because sometimes I just don't feel like cooking, and when I really don't feel like cooking, I really like to eat alphagettis. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> How about you, Nick? I'm going to proceed to put all y'all to shame, and uh, poutine. That is by far my worst <laughs> indulgence. And the worst part might be that I have it, like, maybe once a month or so, and I don't feel bad about it at all. I just feel awesome. <laughs> See, once a month isn't bad, though. Yeah, that's pretty good. It could be worse, but I miss it when I don't have it, and God, it is so good. <laughs> There's just all the calories right there in one perfect package. <laughs> the, the worst part is that they they absolutely know that. And so even if you, even if they make bad poutine, people are still going to order it. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you mean by bad? Like yeah. bad unhealthy? Because it's all unhealthy. But no, I mean... taste, tasting bad. Or like the gravy isn't okay. very good. Or, or the like... curds aren't actually cheese curds. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, hard it's to like... screw up poutine, though. Eh, you can put like shredded cheese on it, and that's just not... <laughs> I'm, I'm not convinced. Mike, being from Alberta, I'm not sure you know what true squeaky yeah. cheese curd is like. If you're talking well, about McDonald's poutine, no. it's not the same. I have I have been to Montreal and had poutine there, and we have okay. a couple we have a couple poutine boutique type stores down on Kensington and and Seventeenth that that make pretty good poutine with actual cheese curds. Okay. So. Mike, I'm coming to Calgary. You're gonna show me these places. Oh, I will. <laughs> Once a month. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so can I get the ball rolling on things yeah. that I like that I, well, I feel like it's kind of healthy anyway? Do it. Um, black beans, particularly if you've got, like, black bean soup and you put it on top of rice. It's not horrible for you. I feel like it's one of the better things you can eat, but it is really good, especially, like, brown rice or something like that. Nice. Delightful. So why don't we go reverse? Anna, if you can hear us, what's your what's your unguilty pleasure? Your uh, I would say probably like fruit in general. Watermelon. I could eat a whole watermelon. That's a good one, yeah. Watermelon's delicious. Yeah, and just think about the hydration. You know? Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Um, I'd go with protein shakes are pretty good. If I'm if I'm if they're if it's for like an intended like workout or like that kind of thing, then with like yogurt and fruit and that kind of thing, those are pretty good. And then I'll have like just like a grilled like chicken club sandwich type thing, and with bacon, but the bacon's kind of compromised. I <laughs> I think that bacon is with certain exceptions, bacon's okay every once in a while, like completely okay, like actually good. Uh, salt, I would say, is the worst thing about bacon. Yeah. I think it's also the nitrates. The nitrates are a problem. Yeah, yeah. Anything they put in to preserve it. Yeah. Um, my innocent pleasure is I have to say when you get very good grapes. Not all grapes are good, but just a nice batch of red seedless seedless grapes. Just fantastic. I could just eat those and never stop. Like I could honestly just eat that for the rest of my life if they were good. <laughs> Are you aware of the experiments involving monkeys and what they will do for grapes? <laughs> no, but I want to hear about it. Oh, uh, they did an experiment in which they introduced currency to monkeys, and one of the things you could redeem with the currency was, like, the highest value thing was grapes. And uh, they figured out prostitution like that. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Monkey got, uh, I think, one or two grapes out of the deal. What would you do for some grapes, Rob? <laughs> it's not far off. Let's just say that. <laughs> Fun stories on future chat. So would the Klondike bar be the human yeah. equivalent of grapes? 
That's exactly where my, my mind went to. So, Anna, let's talk a bit about your work as what I'm calling a food scientist. I don't know if you call yourself that, but I'm definitely calling you that based on what I've heard. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I am a food scientist because I graduated from the Food Science and Nutrition program at Carleton. Um, but right now, I'm not really a food scientist at my job. I just uh, I do the quality control at a food manufacturing plant that makes food for hospitals and retirement homes. So my education comes in handy, but I'm not actually doing science. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how I am a food scientist. Nice. Do you do you want to talk about maybe a job that you like, not necessarily a dream job, but a dream job that you could get with your degree that you're sort of looking to, towards? Something that something that someone with a food science degree would want to do. Hmm. Well, you could always do quality control at a chocolate factory. That's Ooh. A dream. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think for me, I would really want to do product development for like uh, a coffee company. I would I would want to work for Starbucks. Nice. For, like for their product development and making coffees and. Like trying to find the best blends and stuff. That would Not be. second cup, Anna. Uh, no way, ever. I'm a Starbucks all the way. All right, so we've got Carlton grad. That's one strike. Starbucks <laughs> over second cup. That's two strikes, Anna. Are you kidding me? Over second cup. Second cup is worst. You're just saying that because you own stock in Second Cup. No, I own stock in Second Cup because it's the best the best coffee you can hey. get from a coffee shop. Unless it's like, you know, a micro roaster or something like that, but it's so much better than Second Cup. Or Starbucks. I'm sick. That's, uh, that's pretty exciting. So why don't we move next to Anna? You have an interesting point here. So you wanted to talk about um, organic food and yeah. comparing it. Like all, everyone's familiar with, when you go to the grocery store, they have they'll have a section in the in the produce and maybe as well in the actual store part uh, that has certified organic or just regular organic food. Uh, did you want to talk maybe a bit about the differences between those and sort of the pros and cons of each? Sure. Uh, well, firstly, uh, certified organic is like, it's a really new thing in Canada. And unless it has a specific uh, like certified organic symbol on it, then it might not follow the regulations for being certified organic at all. And there's and the regulations are so new that a lot of products actually aren't like that. Uh, they don't have it. Like I never see that symbol on anything. But they have all of that on the CFIA website. So that's one thing to consider. Like those regulations are very new, and a lot of farms haven't even had enough time to um, start following the regulations because it's like a big change to make sure that you that you follow all the requirements. So like and. There are things even like if your farm is beside a farm that isn't organic, then and, it, and there isn't a certain amount of space in between the two farms, then like you can't be organic because the pesticides might fly onto your farm. Hmm. So that's like one thing to consider. Like just because it says it's organic, it might not be fully certified organic. Right. It's not like in the it's, U.S. They have the USDA or whatever their thing, but yeah. in Canada, it's not quite as easy or whatever. But anyway, so as we see, all organic food is a lot more expensive. Um, and so there's like a big, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know what common perception is, but I think that a lot of people think that uh, organic food is healthier, just like in itself. Mm. Organic vegetables and fruits are more healthy, but um, there aren't really, uh, like, and the fruit itself isn't healthier. Like it might be healthier because there might there aren't pesticides on it, but um, like there's nothing in the actual fruit or vegetable that shows that it's more expensive. Like they don't have more vitamins or oh, 
more vitamins or anything. Yeah. So if I could jump in, um, what constitutes an organic food or, you know, produce? And is that what makes it more expensive? Like the whatever it is that's going into that farming process? Yeah, so usually if you have an organic farm, then you can't have as much. Like, you can't produce as much as somebody who's doing conventional farming because you follow certain, like, um, certain farming techniques that don't allow you to have as much. And, like, if you can't spray pesticides, then you probably won't have as many good fruits and vegetables in the end. So that's why it's more expensive because they like they the farmers have less in the end, if you understand what yeah. I mean. So go ahead, Mike. I just wanted to to ask you mentioned pesticides. Um so I guess that's one of the things I've always wondered is, you know, you hear a lot about all the the different sides like, you know, fungicide and herbicide and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there an appreciable amount of an effect when those are used to look for options that don't use them or is it more of like a selling point and to increase the amount that we're spending on carrots yeah well yeah so there's some debate about that um, so in Canada we live in a pretty good place for food because we do have um, like the CFIA goes and they have to make sure that the fruits and vegetables only have a certain amount of pesticide on them before they're sold to like a store. So there isn't a lot of residue, like pesticide residue on things that you buy anyway. But um, like it's, it's not good to eat pesticides. And right. some fruits and vegetables get more pesticides on them than other ones. Um, so, and like we, I don't know, there's this whole, there's a whole thing right now about a certain pesticide that we've been using for years and then it turns out that it's actually really terrible for you and now they're going to be outlawing it everywhere and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say like that we should just ignore it, but, um, one thing that I could recommend is that you, like for fruits and vegetables that you can't wash very well like raspberries or something, then you can buy those organic versus like an orange that you're going to be peeling anyway, you know? Um, <laughs> but I don't really know how many pesticides are on the product in the end. Uh, but it's not like crazy. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's all, it's all regulated. Like you can't just be selling poison. Well, you can, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's just some things to consider when you're buying, especially when it comes to produce. Like, yeah, it just depends on the fruit or vegetable, and uh, yeah, like I said. So, it's interesting to note. At least this is this is if my recollection is correct. Um, being organic doesn't mean you can't have any pesticides. It just means you can't use artificial, like you can't use certain artificial pesticides. There, there are natural pesticides that organic farmers can still use. Uh, I think so. I was reading the regulation things, and I don't. And it definitely says you can't use synthetic pesticides. Yeah. So I have a, I, I have a feeling. I'm not quite sure, but I think that you can use like, reg, some different methods. Of yeah, there, there are organic pesticides that. That because obviously, again with the with the whole profit margin thing, if half your crop is dying because of some pest, yeah, it's yeah. Just oh, not and there are also like in case of an emergency or something, they have different, uh, like different rules, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. They had like a little blurb there. <laughs> if there's like a fire or if there's a huge pest problem or something like that. But I'm not sure. You would have to read them. They're yeah. long. Um, so, yeah, you can use that. But they also use, like, special farming techniques and stuff to help that and, like, using um, different uh, plants that, like, work well together. Like, a certain type of plant might um, help 
repel certain insects or something. So if you have like an insect that likes a tomato, then you can plant the plant that repels that insect to get away right. from the tomato. Like there are things like that, actually. But um, oh, yeah, I'll jump in. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's actually I garden, and that's popular in gardening doing pear planting and stuff like that, like uh, basil pairs well with tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that because they actually attract insects that attack parasites on the other plants, which is just endlessly fascinating, I think. Mm -hmm. And also when you have basil and tomatoes and peppers, that's just perfect spaghetti sauce right there. Is there anything else we want to say on organic, or can we switch to processed foods now? Well, we didn't even talk about organic meat. Oh, okay. Well, uh, go go to organic meat then. I want to. I actually do kind of. God, hear... Rob. Now that is where that's like. Uh, this is where it actually pays to pay the extra money for the organic, but it's really expensive. It's like double the price. But cows that eat. Um, that are like grass-fed have better. Um, can't think of the word. They have uh, like a better, better fat co composition in their bodies. So it's actually the meat is healthier if you eat like grass-fed cow versus a cow that just eats hay all the time. Right. That's interesting. Um, yeah, and so, and also if you follow like organic practices for meat, then you kind of reduce the risk of a lot of the. Um, like E. coli things. Right. That is like a, a big problem with or how that happens is because it's just like a big mess of grossness <laughs> at the farms and stuff with that. So yeah, actually buying actually buying organic meat is good. And it's happy and then you'll eat happy cows. <laughs> well, they're happy right up until they're still killed. <laughs> I don't think that they're yeah, it's true. But then you know that you're eating. No, but there are there are a bunch of different things. But um, organic meat that is better, and organic milk and stuff like because uh, in conventional farming with milk, they kind of over milk cows a lot, and it can make them have diseases in their udders. And then you're just drinking like the milk with the diseased or it's yeah. like diseased milk because they over milk them, but if you have like cows that are properly milked, then you're getting um, like better milk that is healthier. And the, the lipid composition is better in it as well. Nice. And the butter. The butter, the milk, the meat is actually <laughs> healthier. Not like the vegetables, because the vegetables aren't really healthier in themselves. And that's, yeah. well, like, they get to ripen better probably, but I don't know. Yeah. So do you buy organic meat? Uh, I did once. Okay. But right now I'm not really at a point <laughs> in my life where I can afford to buy that. Um, but I do buy I do buy free run eggs in the summer. Nice. Because do you know that in the summer you can buy free run eggs because the chickens are actually running around. But if you buy free run eggs in the winter, then you should think twice because it's winter. <laughs> So <laughs> and they might be frozen. <laughs> so, there's a that, makes, that makes sense. Interesting. But that's just because <laughs> I feel bad for chickens, not because of anything. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Chickens get uh, well from every video that ever leaks from from processing plants. They get a raw deal. Yeah. But um. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my small contribution <laughs> right now. <laughs> A lot of foul play involved. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll switch to processed foods now because that's my main area of expertise uh, because I love processed foods and they, they taste amazing. They uh, do when you load them with all that stuff. They do. There are chemists, Rob, just like you and I, making sure they taste delicious. Mmm. <laughs> Never mind anything about the people who are eating them's health. So the first one that I want to talk about is trans fat because it's a word that is used 
a lot in food uh, marketing, say, saying that stuff doesn't have any trans fat. And most trans fat in food comes from the cooking process where they, it basically when you chemically modify fat, it has a potential or usually does uh, add trans fat to the food. And trans fat is basically fat that our body doesn't have the capability to process properly. And so what companies end up trying to do is they minimize the amount of trans fat that they that comes up when they when they process their food. Um, but you can't get rid of it completely. And so what they do is they change the serving size to below uh, the minimum allowable levels. And what ends up happening is the serving sizes for a particular product get smaller. So, but people don't eat that that amount of serving. So if you eat two or three servings of something, you're still eating a lot of trans fat. Just because it says that something doesn't have trans fat, it, it probably doesn't mean they got rid of the trans fat. It probably just means that they made the portion size small enough that you can't see it on the label or they don't have to put it on the label. So when you're talking about that, Rob, are we talking specifically about hydrogenation of oils? Yes. So okay. generally, the kind of, yeah, the, the kind of thing that you would see this in is potato chips or crackers or things like that. Things that where they have fat in them, but to make the fat taste better or to, to change the melting point properties of the fat. Yeah, it handles better at room temperature when it's a trans fat. Yeah. Or it, not necessarily when it's a trans fat. I mean, that might be the case, but when it's hydrogenated, if you have... No, they do because the trans... Rob, you should know this. The trans bonds pack together better than the cis ones that occur in nature. Right, but there's... So a higher melting point, so it actually stays together at uh, room temperature. Right, but the hydrogenation process... They're not trying to make trans fats. They're trying to make hydrogenated fats. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're, like, it just happens because it's yeah. an unstable conformation yeah. of the double bond. And so I I mean, it's tr getting rid of trans fats, it's hard because it's not something you can taste. You, you can't taste the difference between trans fat and non-trans fat, so you're never going to have that experience. Like, w I, I can compare it to diet pop... And when a pot, when a soda has aspartame in it, I can taste that it has aspartame, and I really don't like the taste of aspartame. But you can't, you can't eat a potato chip and be like, oh, that trans fat tastes so bad in this chip. It like all fat tastes the same to us. Because they want you to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> and they want you to eat a lot of it. There's there's a reason that their slogan is you can't eat just one for Lay's. This webcast sponsored by Lay's. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you can't eat just one. It it's actually I mean they they are trying to to court the crowd that has that wants to get no trans fat so they're making they're doing things like baking their chips instead of frying them, which is better. I'm still not sure it helps the main problem, but it's I would say it's almost unilaterally better to bake potato chips than it is to fry them. Just because then they're not soaked in oil or in fat. Unless you put oil on it, then bake it. Even even then, I don't think it's as bad. It, I mean, it depends on the temperature of cooking and, and the oil you use, obviously. As Elton Brown will tell you, uh, if you deep fry things properly, you don't necessarily have a lot of fat ending up in them because... Uh, all the water that comes into contact with the oil will flash into steam, and then it keeps the oil away from the actual product. Yeah, one of the things that I don't, do when I don't go don't go trashing all frying now, right? No, I'm not. No, no, no. When I worked at McDonald's, I used to prepare in preparation for lunch or my break. I would put chicken nuggets in the oven instead of frying them. It tasted so good. Oh man. <laughs> I think with those types of foods, they're often fried and then flash frozen and then they're fried again when they're actually prepared. Yeah. So you're not really avoiding frying. You're not you're not avoiding the frying, but you can actually see when when I baked chicken nuggets, I would see the oil come out of them and just end up on the pan. So it's it's definitely better, but I wouldn't yeah, you're not definitely not avoiding the those the frying process by doing that. Mhm. Mm yeah. Uh, is there anything else on trans fat? Anna, anything interesting we should know about it as a food yeah. scientist? Uh, no, not really. Don't need to know, I guess. 
because I know we we talked a lot uh, in chemistry about not not just trans fat, but about things like uh, you hear a lot about omega fatty acids, yeah, and how those are those are good to have, and so they've started now even putting them in bread and having supplements of usually fish oil that have these extra fatty acids, mm-hmm. uh, which is the good type of fat. Like that's that's the kind of fat that it doesn't matter. Like that you, it's not necessarily something to avoid fat. Like that's not, as a nutritionist, you would never say you should have no fat in your diet. You should you would say, let's point you towards things like, sorry. That's very old fashioned. Yeah, but there are a lot of people that still think no 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 you can't have any fat. Like I'm trying to lose weight, I can't have fat. Like that's just as dangerous as not not just as dangerous, but you need. Yeah healthy fats, things in, and not necessarily all the time, but things like olive oil and there, there are healthy oils you can have that, that are still, they are technically fats, but they're healthy. Well, actually, there's a lot of debate over there which fats are good <laughs> and bad, and I personally think that even saturated fats aren't bad for you at all. <laughs> Like butter is not bad for you. It's good for you, and you and it has a lot of good things in it. And uh, there's just like an old, it's an old-fashioned thing to think that um, saturated fats increase your risk of heart disease and all that. But really, the real enemy are carbs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they do everything bad. Like. Yeah, you can eat butter. You sh- you're better off eating butter than eating margarine. You can eat you can eat butter. I mean, everything. The rule of thumb here is moderation. You like don't eat a pound of butter, but if you well, put butter I, in something, it's probably not the end of the world. Yeah, but it's not like the evil as everybody makes yeah. it sound. It's like that's an old way to think. Like, um, yeah, uh, mo- it's good. Like you just have to know. To, like olive oil is good for you, but for example, like you shouldn't cook with it yeah. because then like those cis fats turn into trans fats, yeah. like we were saying. So it just it depends. Like every oil is a different story, and every fat is a different story, and how you use it and when to use it. Like you should cook with coconut oil, which is also a saturated fat, but it's it's like one of the best oils that you can yeah. cook with because it's stable when you cook with it. And it's delicious. Uh, like, <laughs> I've I've used it a few times. I've never actually bought it myself, but I've eaten with it, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's good. Very good. It's all about the coconut. Yeah. Do we want to talk about fad diets? Specifically, uh, like, paleo and keto, because they cut yeah. carbs out. I believe well, Mike might have something to say on the subject. <laughs> well, just talking about carbs, it reminds me of the Atkins fad that kind of came and went, but some people are still kind of on it, and maybe, as Nick mentioned, it's kind of transformed into more robust lifestyle eating changes, like paleo and keto. Um, so, Anna, maybe you can like vegan. expand on that. Well, vegan's its own... Yeah, yeah we're not belief. talking about vegan when well, we say paleo and yeah, keto. I know, but vegan's more of like a belief system than a yeah. diet fat, but... Come anyway, on, Ron, get on the trolley. Hop <laughs> <laughs> on, Robert. So yeah, Anna, maybe you can touch on carbs a bit more that you now that you brought it up. Okay. Well, carbs are the root of all evil. Um, Not all carbs. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. Some are better. Like things that have fiber, make it better because it, uh, like, gets absorbed slower. So when you say carbs, like, is that all carbs, or are we talking like whole grains versus just white flour and white starchy things or well yeah okay so carbs I mean like like pasta bread um, even like beans and things like anything that's like starchy in it so like um, the thing that makes one carb better than another is the fiber content so if you because the problem with eating carbs so it's just sugar right um, so if you're eating carbs, then it can lead, or if you're eating like a lot of carbs, then it leads to an insulin spike. And when you have, 
have too much insulin all the time, then you can get insulin resistance, which can lead to diabetes. Also, too, and uh, like insulin spike, it increases the like it helps your body absorb fat. Like it 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 leads. It's like it, it starts the process of um, absorbing like fatty acids into your body, and that's why they make you fat because like insulin is the thing that regulates that. So um, when you eat carbs, then your insulin spikes. But if you eat like carbs that have a lot of fiber in it, then the absorption of the food like in your intestines is it goes slower, so it doesn't lead to as big of an insulin spike. So that's why like there are some better carbs or like better products that you could eat if you want to eat carbs. But really it's like That's interesting. Like there isn't that much fiber and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like you need a lot of fiber. But yeah, to you need a lot of fiber to actually like slow that absorption, I guess. So anyway, like white bread and pasta. Uh, no sugar. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're everywhere. eating it's like you're drinking Coke. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's just all carbs. Yeah. <laughs> and so carb. Anna, the fundamental question, is butter a carb? <laughs> I'm glad you got that because nobody else seemed to. <laughs> that was a reference to Mean Girls. Oh, sorry, I missed that completely. That's an old. <laughs> I just thought that was the dumbest <laughs> question of life. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go onto a bit of a tangent here, okay. and bring up a point that I wanna I wanna talk to Anna about. Because I know that there are a couple of people in your life who really like McDonald's. A couple people. Yeah. I mean, everyone likes McDonald's to a certain extent, but um, I have made the argument in the past that McDonald's, if you do McDonald's right, isn't necessarily horrible for you. And that in moderation, it's actually, for people that maybe have a lower income or less availability to fresh, or less uh, accessibility to fresh produce, it actually, the amount of calories that it gets you, if you're hungry, is very good per dollar. Mm -hmm. I've heard that argument made in a lot of places, and maybe you could speak a bit to the health, the things you can get at McDonald's that are healthy, and whether whether you're okay with people you care about eating at McDonald's on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, I saw that note that you made there, and I've been thinking about that McDonald's thing a lot. Made me, You made me really think about it. Um, <laughs> I'm not that familiar with the McDonald's menu, so I don't really know like what's healthy there or what options they have. But yeah, if you just look at it, it's I, it's not nutritious. Right. But it's... I don't know how bad it is. I, it's not nutritious for sure. Like there aren't really a lot of redeeming qualities. Um, I was gonna say on. The note of the meat, anyway, like McDonald's cattle is not grass-fed. No. It's yeah, uh, <laughs> it's corn-fed, which is about the worst thing you can do to the poor cows. I mean, they love it and they fatten up quickly, but it's fat. Yeah, an interesting thing that that I learned while working there is that they're they buy their beef from a company called Grade A Beef, and that's why they call it that. It doesn't mean that it is designated Grade A. <laughs> um, that's that. I always found that very interesting. That because uh, like it's all over the package on every burger that you buy that it's grade A beef, but that doesn't actually like that's not a real thing. That's just what they call it. That's just terrible. like the company that owns Subway is called Doctors Associates. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Have you heard that A uh, and W's burgers are now grass fed, grass fed, free range beef for yeah, the most part? Hormones and. All that. I mean, if you believe the marketing, which I guess we have. I don't to. know. I, yeah, I looked into the marketing, but it's like they get one of their supply or two of their suppliers are like ranches in Calgary and Montana and Australia. Cool. But like actual ranches and not feedlots, which is nice for the cows. It is. Until they get I mean, again, right up until the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather give the give the cow time in a ranch than a feedlot. 
Yeah, yeah. of course. I agree. So, um, yeah. Going back to McDonald's specifically, I I will eat a McDouble from time to time when I'm really hungry. It costs a dollar fifty, and I can't say no to that when I'm starving. And it's right there, and I don't think that that's the end of the world. If and long, as long as I don't do it every day, and I don't like, I, I'm not gonna stuff myself. I'm never gonna. I've, I don't buy the drinks that they have there. Yeah. I stay away from the big burgers, and I just get little things that like I'm trying to. I if I just want to eat like 800 calories. I can get that for like five dollars. Except there's that one day when Rob bites into a McDouble and then like an asteroid starts streaking out of the sky and he's like, "Oh no, it is the end of the world." <laughs> I need to buy five more before it hits. <laughs> I'm gonna die doing what I love, eating McDoubles. <laughs> but yeah, with I don't know with McDonald's, it's not the end of the world. Nothing's the end of the world. You do everything just once, once yeah. in a while. But uh, yeah, I would say the fries are bad, but that's because like because of the oil that they're that they're cooked in, because like trans fats are in the hot oil. That's like a big problem with the fast food thing. But also acrylamide on the potatoes. But that's like anything that you cook. So acrylamide is formed. It's uh, like the browning that you see on like breads and fries and things that produces acrylamide, which is like a super toxic compound. Um, but that's like anything with cooking. Anytime you cook something, it's bad. And like, oh, and coffee has a lot of acrylamide too. So that's like that's bad. But that goes for a lot of things. Well, so guys, it turns out I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not really good for you. Yeah. And I guess you don't really know what's on the inside of the burger. Like, is it all beef or are there fillers? I don't know that much about I think McDonald's, they're pretty but there's good probably with some soy in there. Yeah. One thing I will say about the, the about meat when you're cooking it is that it undergoes a lot of chemical reactions called the Mayer reactions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, they say, at least in small quantities, produces some carcinogens. But basically everything is a carcinogen these days, so I wouldn't say that's the end of the world either. Because we like it's obviously you're not going to eat raw meat; you're going to cook it. So yeah, but you can like boil meat and boil vegetables, and it's better for it than baking or frying. Boil yeah. your meat, and that's how we got boil burgers. your burger. Boil your burger. <laughs> <laughs> Those grandmothers that were boiling hot dogs for Thank their kids right all along. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mike, you brought up here the Super Size Me movie, and I want to talk about it because I've heard since then, um, like Morgan Spurlock is obviously a really good documentarian. There, I don't think there's any arguing that, but uh, I've heard that in the aftermath of that movie, a lot of the stuff he did would like couldn't be replicated, and maybe this the in quotes science part of it might not be a hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what he did, obviously, but people like there have been people who did exactly what he did, or, or very, very close to what he did, and didn't gain a bunch of weight and didn't have these psychological effects that he had. Did you watch the rebuttal to that movie? Uh, I've watched, I've watched or read quite a few different things about the movie and about his process in general. Did you? Is there an official rebuttal to the movie? Yeah, it was on Netflix. I think it was called Fathead. Oh. Mm. And it's about somebody who did he did the same thing, and I think he's like a lot about the low carb thing. If I remember correctly, I don't really remember it that much, but um, yeah, he did the same thing, and it turned out completely different. But being That's intentionally low carb about it, though, is that the idea? Ah, uh, I don't remember. Because that wouldn't be the same thing then. Right, because what he was talking about was the the whole complex of people. I mean, he was talking about America specifically, and the American McDonald's industry is a little bit different and worse than the Canadian one. But uh, he was talking like the whole thing that he was talking about was overeating. And so when he got people, when people asked him if he wanted to supersize it, he had to say yes. And so he was eating a ton of calories. He was eating more than someone who just ate at McDonald's every day would eat. And, this, and specifically, he was eating a lot of the fries and the pop that yeah. goes. Yeah. yeah. He did say that he was allowed 
Sorry, it's high fructose corn syrup that goes into United States McDonald's pop, which suppresses ghrelin, which is the I'm full hormone. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like. Sorry, I think he said he was allowed to drink water, though. He was allowed to drink oh, water. Okay. Yeah. But he still he still had to get the meal. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. I just remember. Yeah. He had to try everything on the menu at least once. Oh yeah. But, yeah, you should watch the the other movie, Fathead. Yeah. But now I I think I'm remembering it wasn't about low carb, but it was like showing that it wasn't like the fats that were the problem or something. Okay, that it was the carbs. I think I watched it like five years ago. Right. I'll I'll definitely look into that. Yeah, it was good. It was an interesting movie. But it's probably, every time you watch a documentary, you have to be critical, because everybody's obviously just trying to show their side. Yeah. I, I think the one exception to that is Sicko, because the American healthcare system was terrible back then, and it's gotten, I mean, the insurance side especially has gotten a lot better. But, uh, yeah, most documentaries, I would say, are, are showing you one side, and they're not going to do any favors to the other side. Uh, so I th- I guess we'll switch. Do you want to, do we want to talk more a bit about corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup especially and how it's literally in every like basically everything that's bad for you has high fructose corn syrup in it in like a like a lot of it especially like when I was talking about cereal that was one of the main things that I was referring to is just the fact that it has so much sugar. And it's all sugar that's terrible for you. They they put no effort into making it, like, again, no redeeming qualities. And we're specifically marketing it to children. Like, there, there was a whole big thing earlier this year where people were pointing out that in in uh, on cereal boxes, there would always be some cartoon character or whatever looking at, at you. But it would always be looking down, mm-hmm. like, so that when kids look up, it looks like the, they're looking at them. And, like, they're specifically marketing them to kids very well so that the kids want to eat them, and they're just so bad, especially if you're growing. I just, I I can't, I always am making a point that if I do get a cereal like that, I have mostly something that's reasonably good, and then sprinkle I mean, that cereals on top. aren't that bad, are they? Cheerios, I mean, things like, I eat multigrain Cheerios, that's what I'm doing right now. And so I think some of them, some of the multigrain ones are, are dipped in honey, like the honey nut ones. I think it's made with like the multigrain ones anyway, or Cheerios. I think they're made with mostly oats. I yeah. think. Yeah, I I do really like Cheerios, and I have I had some this morning. <laughs> uh, I I just hate. I hate that they can do that and get it can get away with it because it's so delicious. There is. Uh, on the note of high fructose corn syrup, there is a very complicated system of economics at work in that specifically. It has to do... If you want to know more about it, I highly recommend the documentary King Corn because then you'll just walk around for a week looking at everything and being like, it's corn! It's all corn! Right. There's so much but, uh, propaganda on the internet, too. <laughs> so much corn propaganda. Corn.org. Even yeah, even when you're talking about um, corn-fed cattle in McDonald's meat, like it's corn. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's, it's all coming from. Things are fried in corn oil. You have high fructose corn syrup in the pop in America, and you just—it's all corn. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, but yeah, it's. Well, it's they, it it has to do specifically with a system of subsidies that go to the corn uh, go to corn production in the United States, and it, as a result of that, it's very very cheap to use high fructose corn syrup as a sweetener to such an ex- or to the point where it's cheaper to use high fructose corn syrup than actual like beet sugar or something like that that we would use, and so that's why it ends up in a lot of cereals and stuff like that, just because it's the cheapest sweetener available. And the evidence suggests that it's not great for you because it suppresses your ability to feel full and insulin spikes, things like that. But that would probably be why, if you're looking for an explanation, which I assume you are. Absolutely. That's all we're looking for here is explanations. (laughs) 
I always found it very interesting that they're start they're because corn subsidies are so high. That's what people will generally pick to make if they're if they're trying if they have this these crops they're gonna at least have some corn all the time. And so you'll even find like corn is used to make biofuels, like it's just used for everything. You go to the pumps and you're like, it's all corn. <laughs> I said the word biofuels, and Nick didn't immediately start talking about them, so I guess we'll move on, because that's never happened before. <laughs> you can, my thoughts are well well put out on my that's blog. That's true. Can look at biofuels, switchgrass, uh, energy return on energy, energy invested. It's all out there in the public domain. Google vodka and equations. <laughs> so we're almost at an hour here. I want to... Is there anything that anyone really wants to get out at this point about food. Eggs. Uh, I want to well, know about gonna, eggs. We're going to have to do a second episode. Sorry? Wait, sorry, I didn't hear that. Eggs are the best food. They're perfect. All right, I'm knocking two strikes off. Anna, you're, you're cool. <laughs> they have the ingredients for life, so they can't be... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, the whole so, cholesterol thing is just... Yeah. Like, is the complete myth. Cholesterol's crazy. I don't even understand why people are worried about it. Dietary intake of cholesterol doesn't affect blood no. cholesterol, apparently. It's an old thing that some, that, you know, it's like there's a scientific study that was made that shows something and it gets blown out of proportion then everybody believes it and then it's hard to just change everybody's mind. But at least, like, because um, I, I go to these, like, Canadian Association of Food Service Professionals meetings, CAFP, and um, there are a lot of like registered dietitians there that work at hospitals and things, and they're all on board with the cholesterol myth thing. Like, they all know that it's like that. So that's not, that's like, uh, that's widely accepted now, I think, or at least getting there. There's some people, if you aren't educated, or like, if you don't care about it, then you wouldn't know, but yeah, at, le at least most people know that now, that eggs are the perfect food. Whole egg. <laughs> Yeah. Mike? If, if, you are, if you are trying to reduce your blood cholesterol for our viewers and any of us, are you, what, what would you suggest, as opposed to cutting out food cholesterol, what would be the, the ideal way to do that? Well, I'm no doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, well, from what... I've read it's not like you can't really control it with your diet that much. It's more I think that you're just like genetically predisposed to it. I think maybe I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but like definitely eating foods that have cholesterol in them. Actually, sorry, no, I take that back. There are a lot of foods including butter that um <laughs> They help uh, reduce your levels of LDL, which is the bad cholesterol, and like increase your levels of HDL, which is good cholesterol. Right. And there are two different types of LDL, two different types of the bad ones. So there are the big clunky ones, which are fine, and people who have the big clunky LDL, they actually have like lower cholesterol. But then if you have a lot of the small compact LDL, that's the bad one. So there's there are foods that you can eat that help decrease the level of those and increase the level of the better ones to have. Right. Hmm. So just to clarify, LDL is low-density lipoprotein and yeah. HDL is high-density lipoprotein. Uh, and those, the, the difference between the good and the bad um, fats, it, like that, that whole process of eating healthier and changing the proportion of HDL to LDL will affect the cholesterol cycle. And so you can lower your cholesterol by, by just eating healthier fats. Yeah, and yeah, and that's the thing with trans fats, um, because well, this is what I was reading. But there's some. It's hard to like sift through everything because everything is based on money. So you never know if what you're reading is true. But <laughs> about trans fats, like it used to be believed that it's just we couldn't metabolize them, but apparently it uh, just interferes with how you absorb certain fats. So it kind of messes with how you're absorbing the fats, and then if you 
absorb them badly, then I guess, I don't know, I don't really know. <laughs> I didn't read the paper, I just read that <laughs> sentence, but it messes with the, like, uh, with, the, with the system of lipid absorption instead of actually just being something that floats around in your body. But yeah, That's really well, interesting. Yeah. Because, like, in, in second-year biochem, they told us, like, oh, yeah, you just can't metabolize it, and it goes, or it makes things wonky. Yeah, well, I think, well, it's still, they don't know the exact mechanism, I think. Maybe. Um, I'm not up in the current stuff, but that's what I just, I read, like, yesterday, so. Interesting. That it's new. <laughs> there must be a paper. Yeah. So, before we close out, uh, I want to address the one question we got on the event, uh, which actually is from Keegan, your husband, and he wanted to talk about some common food misconceptions, or he wanted to know if we knew of any common food misconceptions that maybe we could clear up. So, I think we've done that to a, to a good extent. Definitely with but, the eggs. Yeah, it, as with the cholesterol and things like that, but is there something else that that you guys can think of that is food-related myth that we can, if not debunk, then at least talk about. And... I, I feel that we, we almost, perpetu almost perpetuated a myth about carbs, but I think we cleared it up that there's nutritional, hearty carbs and empty carbs, and I think that's kind of what Anna was getting at, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, one thing that I want to mention is the fact that the best thing that you can do is stay hydrated. Like, obviously, keeping a healthy diet is important, but um, water is... If you drink a glass of water because you're feeling hungry, like, just every time you feel hungry, have a glass of water first and then see how hungry you are, like, 10 minutes later, uh, that'll usually get rid of the feelings of hunger if you're not actually hungry. I mean, if you're, if you're actually hungry, go ahead, but... Um, staying hydrated is really important in hunger because sometimes your stomach is just empty and it doesn't need food. It just needs something. I'll let Mike take the next one because <laughs> it's actually on topic. Oh, well, basically that I read recently that the whole 8 to 10 glasses a day, that didn't really come from any medical or nutritional reasoning. I think it was, it sounds like it originated in some editorial newspaper that just got caught on and people just stuck by it. But I think what doctors say is, you know, if you're thirsty, drink water. It's like, it's, you don't have to drink a certain amount of water a day. It's like, well, just stay hydrated. I think kind of like what you're saying, Rob. But it's not like you need your 10 glasses a day right. from a... Yeah, I've... I, my understanding of that one is they pestered a bunch of doctors for it, and like nobody really knew. So eventually, one doctor once said, "I, I like eight to ten glasses, I guess, or something, whatever." And then they were like, "Fine, someone actually said something. We're citing that, and then everyone has cited that ever since." And now it's like, "Oh yeah, eight to ten glasses a day. That's just what you drink, doctors." <laughs> the important thing to note about that for me is that there's a common misconception because 8 to 10 glasses sounds like a lot of water to drink in a day but they're talking about 8 ounce glasses because yeah, that's like what the size two, when they came up with that, that's what the size was mm -hmm. um, so like this bottle for instance has 24 ounces which, so that's three, 3 cups of water so it's not actually that hard to do that, it, but it's just not its not something you have to live by every day. But you don't, you don't need to force water down your throat yeah. if you're not thirsty That's no, the whole, not to get to your 10. That's the whole idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I'd like to... I can't remember which is which, though, which is a problem. Maybe Anna can help. There are, like, nutritionists and dietitians, and you'll see either or on TV all the time. And I think it's nutritionists... I think they're the ones that are actually, like, you have to go through special schooling for it and it's stuff like that. Sorry? It's registered dietitians. There ah! I'm backwards. <laughs> but, yeah, becoming a registered dietitian, so you have to do, like, your undergrad in dietetics or something like that, 
compared to some other, probably food, uh, actually, I don't think that you can do food science and then go, well, definitely not the Carleton program, but, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, so, and then you have to go to schooling afterwards, and you have to write, like, a huge standardized exam, it's like, like becoming a doctor or a lawyer, probably not as, as severe, but, yeah. Okay. So it's like Because I see a lot of talk shows, and, like, they will have a nutritionist on, and people are like, ah, a nutritionist, they must know what they're talking about. But actually, no, they've attended no such, like, schooling or training to have an actual basis or on human energy and stuff like that, whereas a registered dietitian actually has and can give you proper advice, but it's just like something to keep in mind. It's like chiropractors and physiotherapists. Yeah. But see, chiropractors, yeah. that's what I was thinking, but chiropractors actually have to go through a lot of school and certification too. But that doesn't mean that their practice is legitimate. Right, that's like, well, saying you have to go through a lot of karate lessons to become a black belt, but that doesn't give you any official... Karate's legit, though. <laughs> right, but it, you can't, like... It's not, an, it's not a real I would take I would take karate advice from a black belt. Will you take chiropractic advice from a chiropractor? Well, no, because I don't think chiropractics are necessarily useful for a lot <laughs> of things. You could argue that karate <laughs> aren't necessarily useful unless you're competing in... You can compare karate and chiropractors. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's not an official designation. Like, You can start your own karate school and give someone a no, black belt. They, they do have designations for chiropractors. They have their own association and everything. I'm sure there's a karate association. I stand by this. <laughs> It's not that chiropractors don't know anything. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not they're yeah. just not it's as legit as physiotherapists. Yeah, it's right. just whether it's useful or helpful for what you're experiencing. Yeah. Go see a doctor. Yeah. Don't you know, you just go make an appointment with a chiropractor because your back hurts. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... you. I, like, I've thought about this. I'm not a doctor at all, but... Um, when you go to a chiropractor and they make adjustments, that releases endorphins. It it absolutely does. I don't think there's any medical evidence that you could come up with that said that that doesn't happen because like pain releases endorphins, and so you do feel better. Going to a chiropractor will make you feel better, but the problems that you're having won't be fixed by chiropractics necessarily, and so you might just come. You'll have to go back every week to get that same good feeling. Mm-hmm. That's my theory, but yeah. I guess it's your that. hypothesis, Rob. Uh. <laughs> you don't have all the backup to make it your but, theory. But I'm never, ever going to test it because I'm never going to go to a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anything else we want to talk about? Or can we wrap this up until we have to do another food one because I, there's still so much we can talk about. Yeah, there's still so much. <laughs> I think it's just important, as a closing remark, I think it's just important to eat lots of fruits and vegetables and meat. Yeah. Like and, yeah, I think it's just important to eat foods, whole foods, and if you don't eat like processed foods, then you're going to be like cutting out a bunch of the terrible things that we've been talking about. Yeah. So, it's just simple like that, but also you aren't going to die if you eat McDonald's once. It's okay. Right. So, I think that the Ooh. key lesson that I always take from from talks like this is that you can eat a lot. You can eat almost anything that you want, but moderation is the key. Like eating smaller portions will help you lose weight and you won't you won't be hungry because we eat too much as a society. We have too much food and we we could leave stuff on our plates, but that would be considered wasteful. Like there's been a lot of research that using a smaller plate will mean you eat less and you can lose weight that way. Um, we're we're definitely eating too much, so maybe eat less and then if fifteen or twenty minutes later you're still hungry you didn't eat enough, but if, like, generally you're going to feel hungry after you're done eating, but you probably eat, means you ate too much. All right, well, that's it for today. <laughs> that was agreements of silence. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's the best show when you just have complete agreement, and so someone makes a point, and there's just dead silence. <laughs> Makes for very interesting. Uh, yeah, video. dead silence is great, especially for the podcast version of this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it actually, I, I've I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and people seem to like just silence. It's okay. 
Yeah, I frequently put on podcasts for the silence. <laughs> it gives your mind a break and yeah. To contemplate. <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we go? If any, uh, I'd like to thank our special guest Anna for coming yeah. on. Yes, thank you. If any oh, scientists awesome. are watching this and need a food scientist, Anna, go go find her. Her name you can get to her Google Plus profile from the event description. Except my last name is different. <laughs> It'll still lead to you though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll say goodbye for now, and we'll uh, Anna. Hopefully, we'll be able to have you back when we revisit food because there's still so much we could talk about. We can talk about it forever. Exactly. Uh, so for now we'll, we'll mute and we'll uh, we'll ride out on the theme music again. Okay. Bye. Bye everybody. Bye. Toodaloo. Alright, thanks for tuning in to Future Chat. You can find us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Go ahead and subscribe or follow us on those networks. Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well, and we'll see you next week.